0: latter-day saint voices warmed and fed by Sidna Bonet. some years ago our family was living in banff a resort town that lies within banff national park in alberta canada the christmas season brought to our area many tourists mostly skiers because of our location and because my husband was the branch president we realized we might have unscheduled guests drop in at any time With that in mind, we made a trip to the nearby store to pick up a few extra groceries. I just had a feeling that something was going to happen. While we were in the store, a sudden and terrible blizzard swept into our mountains. Although we lived only a block from the store, we had great difficulty getting our car back to the house. Strangers greeted us at the door. In the short time the storm had been raging, All exits from the park had been closed. Hotels and motels were instantly filled, and the overflow of people trying to find what accommodations they could was large. We invited the strangers, all church members, into our home, and I carved a freshly cooked seven-pound turkey that a neighbor had given our family. I also prepared a few other dishes to help feed our hungry guests. During the next few hours... Strangers continued to stream into our home, looking for shelter and a place to spend the night. We fed them all. As the evening wore on, all the available bed and floor space was occupied, and finally even the bathtub was pressed into use as a bed. With Christmas lights glowing and Christmas music softly playing in the background, a beautiful spirit of security seemed to fill our home with so many people in the area left with nowhere to go, the space in our branch building was also made available. My son Toby and I drove up and down the streets late into the night looking for those who were still stranded in their cars, inviting them to our home or to the branch for warm shelter and something to eat. Everyone ate as much as they wanted, and we soon lost track of the number of people we tried to assist. The next morning, I fixed a hot breakfast for everyone who wished to eat, and with the roads open again, we said our goodbyes to all our newfound brothers and sisters. Later in the day, as I was preparing lunch for my family, I opened the refrigerator and, to my surprise, found the turkey plate still piled high with meat. I fell to my knees and wept. I had been able to feed a multitude on a small, seven-pound turkey, the only meat in the house. Truly, we had been blessed in our hour of need. Yet another blessing was to come from that stormy night. About a year later, a young man visiting our branch spoke and related the following. Something happened to me one night that has changed my life forever. At the time of this event, I was inactive and had hard feelings toward the church. On a cold, blizzardy night, here, in Banff, with the roads in and out of the park closed, I was stranded. I was also penniless. In desperation, I searched for the local branch president's home. President Bonet's. Arriving in the yard, I met Sister Bonet and her son Toby, who were leaving for somewhere. They told me to go into their home, where it was warm, and have something to eat, then to stay, And sleep. When I got to the door, there were snow boots everywhere, and as I looked in the window, all I could see were people everywhere. I did eat and sleep there, but I was so impressed by their willingness to take in a total stranger and by the Christ like love they showed me on that cold winter's night that all feelings I had against the church melted away. I stand here today active in the church because of their willingness to put gospel principles into action. I did not remember this young man, but again I wept as the Spirit reaffirmed that simple but profound scriptural message. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Matthew 25, verse 40.
1: He Would Have Bought It For You by Cheryl Boyle When my husband Mick died suddenly, I was devastated. He had been a constant source of inspiration, goodness, and patience. I wondered how I could raise our five children without him. Shauna was one of my visiting teachers at the time. Occasionally, she and her husband Jim, who was also my home teacher, would take me out to a movie or to the temple. Fall came, and as the weather turned cold, I pulled my coat out of the closet. It was about 15 years old and looked very worn. I was embarrassed to wear it on my outings with Shauna and Jim. The lining was torn, and each time Jim helped me on with the coat, my hand got caught in the lining. As Christmas drew near, I began to feel lonely. This would be my first Christmas without Mick, and I missed him very much. I tried to act happy for the children's sake, but it was difficult. Just a few days before Christmas, Jim and Shauna and their oldest daughter came to visit me. They handed me a beautifully wrapped package with a card attached. Card read, To Cheryl. Love, Mick. Tears began to stream down my face. Inside the box was the most beautiful coat I had ever seen. It fit perfectly. We knew that if Mick were here, he would have bought it for you, they said. Whenever I wear my coat, someone always compliments me on how beautiful I look. I know it is because I'm glowing, remembering the love of my home teacher, my visiting teacher, and my husband each time I put it on. A Heart to Fill by
0: Ellen Dibble Cox It was turning out to be another rushed and harried holiday season. When I was younger... I had envisioned peaceful Christmases filled with twinkling lights and glistening snow, with me seated before a fireplace and surrounded by my dream family. To my disappointment, however, as a young adult, I still had not seen the fulfillment of that dream. Instead, my time and energy during Christmas were being spent on my work as a school teacher and on various holiday-related activities. As my involvement in these activities increased and my to-do list grew longer, I felt more and more overwhelmed. In the middle of the chaos came a request from a friend for our young single adult group to sing at a local nursing home. It was to be a family home evening presentation for the elderly patients there. I must admit that I didn't really want to go, but I half-heartedly consented anyway. Monday evening came, and when I got to the nursing home, I was relieved that the hour had arrived. The service project would soon be erased from my to-do list. A group of patients in wheelchairs had been gathered together in a cold, sterile room. A woman with silver hair and a tremulous voice opened our family home evening with prayer. She petitioned our Heavenly Father and sincerely and humbly said, We thank Thee for all of our many blessings. Blessings? I was puzzled by the thought. How could she see her world of wheelchairs, bedpans, hospital food, lonely days and nights, dependency, crippled limbs, and faded youth as blessings? The woman finished the prayer, and my thoughts were filled with wonder at her expression of gratitude. Our group stood and began to sing. "'Slippered feet tapped on footrests, "'gnarled fingers kept time, "'and smiles appeared at the sound of the familiar melodies. "'Their expressions mirrored ours "'as we sang of Christmas delights and heavenly gifts. "'Something warm and magical gradually seemed to fill the room. "'I gazed into the ageless eyes of the onlookers "'and found myself floating in their warmth and wisdom.' They, too, had been teachers or carolers in a choir, married, single, parents, or childless. The final notes of the closing song drifted softly around the room. Sleep in heavenly peace. A benediction was offered. My spirit was subdued and quieted. My view of Christmas and of life began to change that night. For one moment, I could see that I didn't need to worry so much about what I felt was lacking in my own life. I sensed that within the withered physical bodies of those to whom we had sung were spirits filled with happiness, gratitude, and God's love. No matter the person's age or station in life, a portion of that love and happiness was there if only I had eyes to see— ears to hear and a heart to fill with gratitude
1: christmas bells through the fog by beth Daly. christmas morning dawned on a day as murky as my mood a dense fog had crept into the italian city where we were living because of my husband's military assignment my two daughters were not very excited about the few gifts they had received their thoughts like mine were with their father who was in a military hospital in germany "'It doesn't seem like Christmas without Daddy here,' 8 year old Diana commented.' "'I nodded, thinking about all the seasonal cheer we were missing— "'decorations, family parties, holiday feasts. "'Well, at least some of us are together,' said 17-year-old Athena quietly. "'When my husband called from the hospital in Germany, "'I talked to him briefly and then handed the phone to Diana. "'To my surprise, she refused to speak to him, "'even though she hadn't seen or talked to him in weeks.' Confused by her reaction, I ran the events of the past month through my mind. Some weeks earlier, my husband, Ed, had begun complaining of pain in his left forearm. In no time, it swelled and became stiff. The doctors hospitalized him and gave him antibiotics intravenously. But his hand became useless. Concerned, I hadn't wanted to make any holiday plans. I was afraid what the next few weeks would hold. I finally made arrangements for our oldest son to stay with his grandmother instead of coming home from college. Our three other children tried to help me get ready for Christmas, but the spirit of the season could not penetrate my anxiety. One night had been especially bad. I couldn't sleep, so at 3.30 a.m., I called the hospital and asked about my husband. The nurse said he was in such pain he was pacing the floor suddenly, I knew Ed needed a priesthood blessing. Since the hour was so early, I hesitated to call our home teacher, Bob DeWitt. But Bob arrived on his own before dawn. Mom, our home teacher is here, Athena called out at about 5 a.m. Soon Bob called another priesthood holder and hurried to the hospital. He felt prompted to promise Ed he would eventually regain the full use of his hand. Moments after Bob had left the hospital, a group of doctors conferred around Ed's bed they couldn't explain what was causing the damage to his arm. Although in pain, Ed commented that it was too bad, the x-ray couldn't show more than just the bone in his arm. It would help if they could see the tissue as well. Ed's words startled the doctors, and they decided to use an ultrasound machine to look at his arm in a manner not commonly used. The procedure was later written up in medical journals. Using the ultrasound in this new way, they located a large pocket of infection deep within Ed's forearm, They operated immediately. It's lucky we located the abscess when we did, the surgeon had explained to me later. Even a few more hours could have cost Ed the use of his arm completely. As it is, I doubt he will ever be able to use his fingers again. The doctors then transferred Ed to a large hospital in Germany, and I accompanied him while friends took care of our children. Ed's condition became worse, the bone became infected, and antibiotics were unexplainably ineffective. Days went by in a blur, as Ed underwent multiple surgeries. Suddenly, I realized it was almost Christmas. Ed insisted I fly home to be with the children. So, here it was, Christmas morning. I held my youngest daughter close, still not sure why she had refused to speak with her father on the phone. Finally, she hesitantly took the phone, and within seconds, her face was wreathed in a smile. "'I thought Daddy was dying,' she explained later. "'He was so sick when he left.' As I sat quietly with my daughters, I smiled through my tears. Faintly, through the fog, the tolling of Christmas bells reached us. I reflected on the gift we commemorate each Christmas, our Savior who redeemed us from eternal death and made eternal families possible. I realized that through the Lord's atonement and the ordinances of the temple, we could be together forever. Ed spent nine months in hospitals, and three long, difficult years passed before he recovered completely. But we never questioned that his priesthood blessing would be fulfilled, or that our greatest blessings came through the Lord Jesus Christ. As I listened to the bells that Christmas morning in Italy, I finally welcomed Christmas into my heart.